My job as a business owner is to train other leaders, right? Bring people into my organization and turn them into leaders and train them and give them the tools and resources to go out and be leaders in their community and in the firm so that they can bring on more leaders and more leaders and more leaders and other team members. And so I can remember sitting during a training we were doing um, for the firm with a different consultant and they said, you know, what's your elevator pitch? What is your firm? And it dawned on me, I was like, we're a personal and professional development company that happens to practice law. I'm Jack Newton, CEO of Clio, and this is the Daily Matters podcast. On Daily Matters, we talk with legal professionals, industry leaders, and subject matter experts about the future of law. We explore where the legal industry is headed, how legal practice is changing, and what you can be doing to position yourself for success. This episode of Daily Matters is brought to you by the 2020 Clio Cloud Conference, the world's best legal conference, which is going completely virtual for the first time in eight years. Get your pass now at cleocloudconference.com. Today's guest is Ross Albers, CEO of Albers & Associates, a Maryland-based firm representing clients with DUI, DWI, personal injury, and criminal matters. Ross, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Ross, starting off, there's a lot going on in the world right now, uh, especially in the United States. What's on your mind most right now, uh, especially maybe the, the, from the vantage point of a, a third-time father? Yeah, well, uh, this time tomorrow, my uh, newest daughter hopefully will be, bo be born. We're supposed to be in the hospital tomorrow, so, so we'll see. Um, Congratulations. But, you know, yeah, thank you. Yeah, three daughters, uh, you know, I don't know what my wife and I are thinking, but, you know, three children under the age of three. So it's going to be wow, a it's going to be a wild ride here for that's a lot for a long time, I guess. Um, but we're excited. You know what's on top of mind for me, um, you know, just like any, everybody is. When are things going to go back to what we thought was normal before this all started? Um, you know, I think to sort of be vulnerable here, I think about when am I? You know, I played college lacrosse uh, at Bucknell University. It was a D one program nationally ranked, got to coach. I really love, you know, team sports and I really want to coach my daughters. And so, you know, something top of mind for me is like, when are, when am I going to get to do that? Will I ever, will there ever be team sports again? Will that happen? Um, right. And so I kind of just think about top of mind, when do we get back to normal? Uh, you know, a big college football fan. My parents went to university of Nebraska a uh, huge Huskers fan, like, are we going to have a college football season? And, you know, so personally, I just kind of wonder, when do we get back to normal? Um, and so, yeah, that's top of mind for me at the moment. Uh, well, you're not alone in, in wondering when things are going to finally, hopefully, return to, to normal. Uh, turning to your law firm now, you've got a great story about how you started your law firm. Do you mind sharing that with us? I guess... Yes, it's great depending on who you ask. Not so great maybe for my wife at the time when it all <laughs> happened. But yeah, about two weeks before I got married, I uh, was fired from the, the firm I was working at, um, let go. And I can remember coming home two weeks before I was getting married and telling my wife, uh, I've been fired, but don't worry, I'm going to start my own law firm. And she had grown up uh, a you know daughter or her husband or her father had owned his own law practice in small town Vermont, uh, two blocks from the border of Canada, actually, in a town called Derby Line. And he used to uh, 
sometimes get paid in snowmobile repairs. And so she never had a great, she never had a great uh, sort of idea or, or sort of thought process of the whole doing your own law firm thing. But I came home and told her I was going to do it. We went. That sounds we like a married. very Canadian thing, by the way. Uh, getting yeah, paid snow, in snowmobile yeah, repairs. Snowmobile <laughs> repairs or probably, you know, craft beer or we'll fix your window. Uh, but she didn't have a great sort of sense of, you know, what that, you know, what that all meant. And we went, we got married. We're, we're still married today. Um, and that's really how it all started. And so um, I think a lot of people that start their own law firms, they either do it out of necessity uh, maybe they, it's during a pandemic, no one's hiring anyone right now, right? So they decide, I'll just start my own law practice. Or they do it because they've sort of been pushed in that direction and they don't have any other choice. Um, and so for me, it was, um, I really kind of thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to do this, this is the time to make it happen. And I got to at least try and see if I can. And here we are almost six years later. So, so tell us what went through your head when you, you, you got fired from your job and, and all the options of what you could do next went through your head. Obviously, there's other firms you could have gone and worked for. Why, why did you land on starting your own firm? What was the motivation for, for doing that? I think I can still remember driving home and speaking to my father about it. And for me, it, it, was, it was the idea to see if I could do it. Could I do it? Could I actually go out on my own, uh, make money, and start a law practice? Um, at the time, I had a very sort of, you know, my idea of owning your own law firm was, okay, I start a law practice, I get clients, I go to court, and I have a law firm. Uh, now my idea of having a law firm is I own a business, I hire people, I acquire new clients for the firm, and I inspire the people that work for me. And if you had told me that was what my role and duty was when I was driving home that day after I got fired talking to my father, I would have not really understood what you were talking about. I very much thought like, oh, I'll just be the lawyer. Um, and now I just have a different perspective on that. But ultimately, I, I had to see if I could do it. Right. And I thought to myself, well, I can go out there. If I fail, I know I can always get in the job. I can always get a job as an attorney. I have experience. I've been in the courtroom. I can do that, but I might as well at least try and see if I can do it. And so that's ultimately why I did. And it sounds like you, you took a pretty unique take on developing employees and, and, and how you thought about the, the law firm from the get-go. You, you talk about your law firm as a leadership and training company, which is something that resonates pretty strongly with me, actually. And I'm, I'm curious if you can elaborate on you know, what that means to you and, and why that frame is important when it comes to hiring employees? Sure. So about six months or so into my practice, I ended up meeting with a business coach, a consultant, and he told me, Ross, you're just an employee of a law firm that happens to be named after you. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, he's right. I'm licking every stamp. I'm answering every phone. I'm going to court. I'm signing up every client. And he he then told me that there's a difference between working on your business and working in your business. And I very much was working in it just as probably 99.9% .9 of all attorneys that quote unquote own law firms, they're all working in it. They're spending very little time working on it. And so he actually suggested to me throughout my course of working with him to you know read books on personal development, read books on leadership, read books on 
business, read books on management. And I did. And probably earlier this year, it really dawned on me after kind of really focusing on leadership and understanding what that means when you own a business. Um, and it, I, the more I read about it, and the more I learned in podcasts I listened to is that my job as a business owner is to train other leaders, right? Bring people into my organization and turn them into leaders and train them and give them the tools and resources to go out and be leaders in their community and in the firm so that they can bring on more leaders and more leaders and more leaders and other team members. And so I can remember sitting during a training we were doing um, for the firm with a different consultant. And they said, you know, what's your elevator pitch? What is your firm? And it dawned on me. I was like, we're a personal and professional development company that happens to practice law, right? Our job is to hire people, bring them into the organization and help them develop personally and professionally through training, through resources. Um, we just happen to practice law. Whereas I think most law firms and most solo attorneys, the first thing they tell you, just as you did when you described my practices, this is Ross Albers. They do DUI, DWI, personal injury, family law. Yeah, that's what we do, but that's not what a business is. So I think even Clio, Clio is a company that produces software to help clients you know, and attorneys manage their practice. That's what they do. What they are is, is that they're a personal and professional development company that are trying to hire salespeople, techs to build out new technology, um, folks that do marketing, and they bring them into the organization and they want to train them and teach them so that they can, you know, bring in more and more people. And so I think we get so lost in what we do on a day-to-day -day basis that we really forget that a business at its core is a, is a person business. It's a people-oriented thing. And your job as a business owner is to bring in people and train them and develop them. And whether or not they, you know, some will stay with your organization for a very long time, others will go off to bigger and better things, but you always want them to look back uh, and think about their time with your organization, Albers and Associates or Clio and say, you know, th those guys really gave me some skills that helped me to improve my life. And to me, I think that's um, really a definition of leadership. And so I just, I'm just, I don't define us as a law firm as much as I think of ourselves as a personal and professional development company. Because honestly, I think every business is that. Think about Southwest Airlines, think about Coca-Cola, you know, just these, these companies, what they're doing is they're recruiting and training people. Um, and so for me, I've, that is just, that's just my mindset based on what I've read and learned um, about reading about leadership and some of the best companies in the world. Yeah, I think it's it's such a powerful frame, and it does resonate with me really strongly. And it's, by the way, you know, such a strong attractant for employees as well. You know, they 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 don't want to go and work in a place that they don't feel like they're going to be developing themselves and sure. advancing their own development. So, being able to offer that really explicitly is one of the reasons you're around, and what your mission is 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 super powerful. I I, I love that. Uh, I, I think you made a super important point, by the way, and, and I think so many small business owners of all stripes struggle with this, but, but the idea that you're working in the business and not on the business, really consciously trying to pop out once in a while and operating uh, a bit more strategically, uh, yeah. I, I think is, is super important. Um, would, would love to ask uh, next about how COVID-19 has impacted your law firm, Ross, from an impact perspective, what are some of the most not noticeable uh, 
impact COVID-19 has had on your law firm, on your staff, and on your clients? So everyone had to go home. Um, we, while Maryland, where we're based, was, you know, law firms were deemed an essential business. We all went, we went home and worked from home. And so it was, we kind of went from the environment of people being in the office and seeing each other on a day-to-day -day basis to now I'm in my house. And one of the things we did is we instituted a, we were already sort of doing it a daily kind of huddle in the morning. Um, but we made it, we did it by video conference. I think we were using zoom or Google hangouts. Um, but we, you know, everyone had been removed from the office. We're not seeing each other. And I thought to myself, we've got to see each other. We've got to look at each other face to face and we need to see each other every single day to remind ourselves that, Hey, we're still here. We're still doing what we need to do. Um, and so for us, it was easy having been users of a product like Clio and Clio grow and other technologies to basically shut down our office and go home and work. It wasn't that hard for us to do. I think other firms and businesses really struggled with that, but we've been doing it forever. Um, so that was a big change uh, for us. Um, I also think, you know, for our clients, it was not knowing when their case or matter was going to be resolved, right? When's our, when's my court date and having to explain to them, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're not sure. Um, and so that was a big change for some of our clients that we were having to deal with. Um, but by far the biggest sort of effect was sort of removing ourselves from the office and now, you know, having used to joke with one of our attorneys, Duncan, you know, live from Duncan's basement, you know, with like his Grateful Dead <laughs> poster behind him. Right. And, you know, um, so it was kind of neat to see people sort of in their home environment where you wouldn't normally see them, but it was also a big adjustment as well. And have you done, can you share some of the, you talked about some of the ways technology is, is helping your firm stay connected. Can you talk about some of the other concrete strategies you're using to, to help your firm stay connected and, and maybe the ways you're helping support individual employees navigate what might be tough life circumstances? Well, I, I'd say the first thing is as the leader uh, or any leader is being vulnerable with your staff, right? And so for me, I can, you know, we were doing these daily meetings and one day I just decided, you know, instead of everyone kind of going around, what are you doing today? What challenges are you facing? I want you to tell me what is the, what's the hardest thing that you're dealing with personally right now with this whole pandemic? And I said, I'll start. And like I described earlier, uh, it was hard for me to know that my oldest daughter was supposed to be starting like a organized soccer practice and it had been canceled. And that was really important to me. And I was really missing out on that and, and wanting to do that. And so we went around and everyone sort of shared a, a personal vulnerable thing that they were really missing. We had people who said, well, you know, my brother was supposed to get married and the wedding has been canceled and it's really been weighing on our family. Uh, we had people who said, you know, my, my children aren't in school. Some of them have needs and it's hard for me to be at home and provide these to them. And so I think, you know, to support your employees in a, in a pandemic like this, it starts with you as the leader being vulnerable and also letting them know that, hey, I have things going on too that I'm worried about and scared about. So, you know, it's okay. It's happening to all of us. Um, but at the same time, we also adopted sort of a mantra that we said to each other every day. And we said, you know, the phone is going to ring. We're going to sign up new clients. We have plenty of work to do. We have plenty of billable hours 
And if we continue to stay true to our core values of being professional, responsive, and results-oriented, then we will be fine. In fact, we're going to grow our business um, during this pandemic. And it's something we honestly sort of repeated to each other every single day um, at, at our end-of-the-day huddle that we would do. And I just sort of found that being vulnerable, having a mantra, and staying sort of face-to-face -face with each other was important. I said, don't, don't call each other. Get on a video conference and look at the person in the eye because you'll feel much more connected to them and it'll feel more normal as opposed to just you know, chatting with them over Gchat or something like that. So to me, those were the keys and I think how we supported people. And um, as the leader of the business too, just, just being aware that people got a lot going on and I've got to give them some leeway. Um, but at the same time, we need to remember that we got a job to do. And can you tell us a little bit more about the, the client side of the equation, Ross? What have you seen in terms of ways that your clients' needs have changed, maybe the ways they've pivoted and adapted to the, the new realities of, of a, a COVID-19 environment? Definitely for clients, we've ad adapted, and I think clients have as well, to just sort of face-to-face -face consultations like this not coming into the office. You know, normally you get a call, uh, you know, to put an intake into Clio Grow, send them the intake form, schedule the meeting, get it on the Clio calendar. They're coming into the office. Uh, now it's more of doing it all via Zoom or Google Hangouts or something like that. And we found clients to be much more receptive to that. And having the technology behind it to be able to send out documents to be e-signed or intake forms or things like that. It's really made me kind of question like, God, why do I need all, all this office space for people to sit in if everyone can just do everything from home? But then I also became aware that a lot of people sort of like the office space. It's sort of their escape from being home. And, um, you know, so for us, we really found that clients were much more willing to adapt to the the whole like not coming in and sitting in front of your attorney, but doing everything virtually. Um, and we were doing it with the courts too. And the clients were logging in and, you know, being there via video chat or conference. Um, so for us, I think this whole pandemic has shown that the legal system has really got to adopt to technology that's available um, because the thought or idea of a hundred people sitting in a waiting area for a personal injury settlement conference, you know, to spend five minutes with a mediator to say, we can't resolve the case. Like, do people really want to do that? Is that necessary? Or can we just do this via video chat? Um, and I think, I think most people, clients included, are going to want it to be more virtual going forward. And what kind of feedback? I'm curious, have you heard directly from clients when they've, they've moved from what might've been an in-person consultation to a, to a Zoom call? <laughs> Mostly positive. Um, it, I think it sort of depends on age groups, right? Uh, younger people might be a little bit more tech savvy than some of our older clients. Um, but for the most part, people have adapted. And I think too, as long as you can come off and, and be using it in a professional setting, then they're all, they're all for it. I mean, in fact, we did a whole training for about half a day on how to do better Zooms, right? And brought in consultants to teach our people to say, you know, hey, don't be walking around like this while you're doing a conference and hey, the stuff behind you, maybe that filing cabinet with papers falling out of it, 
maybe you ought to, you know, angle your camera away from that. Uh, how about having some better lighting as well? Right. Um, you know, learn, learn how to mute it. And, you know, we did a whole training on how to do better zooms just for our staff. And I think, uh, again, one of our core values being to be professional, I think the clients appreciate that if they feel like, okay, these people actually know what they're doing and they're not a bunch of jokers. They know how to use the uh, internet. Yeah. Um, it, it's amazing some of the small improvements you can make just in in lighting and, and, and your environment in a Zoom call. It, does, it goes a long way. It's, it's small things that end up having a, a big impact. Uh, Ross, in a recent interview, you talked about the aspirations you had of growing your law firm to a $150 million business someday. Uh, and you've managed uh, amidst the pandemic to actually expand your law firm by merging with another firm. Can you talk a little bit about how you're approaching th this opportunity to, to grow and to thrive in an environment like the one we're in right now? One of our strategies for growth is through mergers and acquisitions and it can be in a number of different ways uh, i can remember uh sort of the old saying you know lawyers don't retire they die right and so how do we be how do we become the succession plan for attorneys reaching the age of retirement and say listen um help will help you transition out of the practice of law um and so that has been a lot of opportunities that we've been looking for um, I also think that this pandemic has really highlighted a lot of people and firms who who spent really their entire career working in the business and not on it, right? And so, and they're really feeling the effects of it. And so how can we come in and say, listen, be a part of something larger. Let us help you give you the, the back office support, the resources, all the things, the admin stuff that you're wasting your time on so that you can do what it is you really enjoy doing, which is practicing law, right? And so for us, that's a big selling pitch to these, to these firms and attorneys out there is, hey, you love practicing law. What if you just did that and you didn't have to worry about running payroll or making sure that you were getting resumes for positions or that you were you know, tracking your marketing money and your advertising and making sure that you were staying on top of all the technologies that were available to a firm. Um, so, that's been an area for us to really look for opportunities uh, as well as, you know, attorneys who maybe are younger and have gone out and have been solos and have decided it's not for them. Um, so for me, I think there's just a lot of opportunities here. And I think these pandemics help other law firms maybe understand, you know what, like maybe it's better. Uh, and I've always said, you know, we're stronger together than we are in individual parts. So what if we came together uh, and utilized and consolidated a lot of our resources, um, I think we could be way more competitive um, with some of the you know, larger firms out there. And what have you found in, in terms of the concerns and how you've addressed those in terms of, of, of lawyers that maybe do want to uh, walk away from some of the administrative burden or, or maybe they, they want to retire and, and they're looking for a good home for their clients, essentially. What do you do to address some of the concerns that they might have around turning their, their, their clients over to a new firm? I think you just have to make sure that the core values of your firm and their firm align, right? And so a lot of, you know, a lot of that for us is sort of explaining to them that this is what we're all about, our core value, be professional, responsive, and results-oriented. 
and let us show you how we've done that and the systems that we have in place. Uh, definitely that for the attorneys that are retiring, you know, they, they certainly want to make sure that, you know, our clients, you know, expect a certain way and want to make sure that we have that culture and that we're going to still provide that same service. Um, for younger attorneys who maybe at my age who have their own firm, it's overcoming the hurdle of, of them, you know, not wanting to have a boss, right? Uh, because we've create, you've created a firm, really we've created a nice job for ourselves. And it's not that we love running a law firm, it's that we love not having to be held accountable to anyone else, right? So like I go out, I start my own practice, I get to, I get to come in when I want, I get to leave with what I want. Um, but if I go join another firm now, all of a sudden I've got someone telling me I've got to work here, you know, from this time to this time, I've got to do that. And so that's right. a huge, hur that's a huge hurdle for me. Um, and what I, what I actively try to do is, and I think we've done in the past is to not make them feel like an employee, but make them feel part of the leadership. Like I come to them and, and, you know, tell me what the firm needs, what work, what can we do better? What are your ideas? How can I incorporate incorporate these into the practice? And I think if you can give them that sense of ownership um, and show them that you're open to their ideas, then they feel less like now all of a sudden they have a boss, right? And that's not what I want to be, you know, thought of as as the boss. I want to be thought of as somebody like, no, we're, we're we want you to be part of this larger organization, and we're open to your ideas. And so, yeah, those are big hurdles for me when it comes to the sort of merger and acquisitions of attorneys and other firms, not wanting to have a boss all of a sudden, and also, you know, continuing on the legacy of this firm that's been around for 60 years or whatever. It's great. Love it. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, Ross, uh, tell us about how you approach embracing legal technology at your law firm and tell us about how legal technology and technology in general is able to help you achieve your business goals. Uh, well, I've mentioned it before, accountability, right? That is to me, with the technology today, especially Clio, it, it's the ability to hold us ourselves accountable uh, and track uh, what we're doing. And I don't mean that in sort of a big brother type of way, but for example, we want our attorneys to bill a certain number of hours, right? Or we have a goal, hey, we need to get here. And so if we don't get there, uh, show me, explain to me where we're wasting time. Where are we losing time in the day? And in fact, in Clio, we created separate matters for administrative, a, a complete matter called administrative. I think it's actually called admin admin because we had to create a client and then create a matter. And then we have like right. intake consultation. So we have a matter for administration, a matter for consultation, uh, uh, and I think a matter for something else, marketing. Right. And so if when my attorneys and staff, when we're not doing legal work, we want them to be assigning their time either into the admin, the consultation uh, or the referral marketing so that we can see like, OK, you didn't you didn't bill however many hours, five hours today. But that's because you spent eight hours marketing, attending this event, trying to generate business for the firm or, oh, we noticed the family law attorney, you only billed two hours yesterday. What were you doing? Oh, it's in the admin. You were basically chasing down clients to re-up their escrow accounts. And so then it's like, is that a good use of your time as the attorney? Or is that something we could be assigning to somebody else in the, in the firm to do? And so for me, the legal technology, Clio, uh, really 
allows me not so much to try to be, you know, big brother holding attorneys to billable hours, but helping identify where are we losing time? What can we do better? How can we be more efficient? And again, it goes to the whole personal and professional development, you know, core of what our business is. How can we help you develop as a professional um, such that you can get your billable hours because we've helped you figure out where you're losing time. I can remember my business coach, one of his first assignments and activities was I want you to today, I want you to write down every single thing you did. All right. Just throughout the day, everything you did in the office. And now we did that for like two weeks and then we went back and we we're like, okay, how do we outsource that? Who do we assign this text to? Is this something you should be doing? And so for me and the attorneys, the technology with Clio and, and other legal technology, it allows me to help go back and figure out where are you wasting time? What's a better use of your time? Um, and also, it's also helped me figure out hiring, like, okay, where, where do we need another person? All right, who are we missing? Or maybe we have too many people. Um, and so for me, I think that legal technology really comes down to accountability um, and also we're big on, you know, we spend money on advertising and marketing and Clio Grow allows us to track where those cases are coming from so that when the internet at internet advertising, people tell me that they're killing it and they're making the phone ring. Well, then I can show them a report that says you absolutely are, or I can say you absolutely are not. And right. so for me, it's the, it's being able to track what we're doing. And if you can do that, then you can really understand how you can improve your business. And unless you're going to type it into an Excel spreadsheet, which some people do uh, and waste a lot of time doing it, um, Clio really helps me generate reports um, so I can show, hey, attorney X, you originated this much you know, money or new clients for the firm. Um, because someone told me once, uh, it, you can't change it unless you're tracking it. Tracking it. So right. if you're not tracking it, you can't change it. And so... Um, for me, that being able to track it is what allows us to go back and change things. The old Peter Drucker maxim, what gets measured gets managed. Exactly. It's said in many different ways. I mean, think about it. It's anything in life. You know, if you're, if you're trying to lose weight, you're tracking your calories and your carbs and things like that. You're trying to make your law firm more profitable or your business more profitable, you're tracking what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, yeah. So, well, yeah. I hear you describing, you talk about accountability and some of the accountability that the technology in your firm helps you drive. But I also hear you talking about something I really like as well, which is being data driven and how you approach decisions and how you approach evolving the firm and how you approach hiring and and what's kind of a collaborative approach, it sounds like, with your your partners in the firm where you can say, you know, not just something as, as blunt as, I need more billable hours from you, but you can say, here's your day and here's where your time's going to, to waste. Let's help you with that. And let's exactly. add resources, outsource resources, do something to really unlock their full potential. And, and that's a much more collaborative approach and a data-driven approach that I, I really like. Yeah, it's not to be, to me, it's not to be like, you're lazy, you're not working hard enough. It's to be, it's to say, you, you've tracked your day and let me let me help you get to where you need to be and let's figure right. out where you're losing time um and to me it's again it's, it's something my business coach has taught me which i'm sure he's 
stole from somebody else, which is, you know, catch your employees doing something good every single day. Don't catch them doing something bad. Find them doing something good um, and, you know, make a big deal about it. And so yeah. for me, if I'm tracking it and I can see, oh, great, man, you spent two hours yesterday doing uh, marketing efforts, trying to meet with attorneys, things like that. Uh, I want to celebrate that. And then I want to figure out what were you doing? and How can I help you improve upon that such that you can generate business for the firm? And so, yeah, I use it. I want to use it for far more motivational reasons than to use it to come down on people and be like oh you suck you didn't hit your hours like no yeah. like how, how do we how do we help you well like you said uh, i think the reason so many people start their own firm is to feel like they can get out from under the thumb of somebody doing exactly that and then uh, you know it's funny it's you know most people they they leave a place and they and they start their own firm and they say i'm never going to do things the way that firm did i'm not going to do this i'm not going to do that uh, I won't do this. And then what happens is they start their own firm and what do they end up doing? All the same things they were right. doing at the place they left. Nothing changes except that their name is on the door. And, you know, my, I just, my hope is that I can, it's hard for me to get people to under, to really understand that and admit it to themselves. Um, but do it in a way to not insult them, but to make them be like, listen, you had an idea when you wanted to start your own practice. Like, let us help you get there. So, um, right. yeah. Love it. Well, Ross, I really enjoyed our conversation. To wrap things up, do you have a parting message you'd like to share with your peers in the legal community? Sure. Uh, it's the same thing that I'm trying to teach myself and instill in my daughters and soon-to-be third daughter. Uh, and that's the idea to dream big, take action, and be relentless. All right? I think, you know, we talked about having this dream for a $150 million law firm. Well, people should have dreams, right? You should want to have big, bold dreams, but you really have to take action on those dreams. What are you doing today to make that happen? And then beyond that, if you really want it to happen, are you being relentless every single day to make sure it happens? Because most people don't dream, and those that do dream take no action, or they take a little bit of action, and then they fail uh, and decide, oh, I can't do this. But I think it's the people that dream big, take action, and are freaking relentless. Those are the ones that actually achieve those dreams. So yeah, dream big, take action, and be relentless. Love it. Well, thank you for joining us today, Ross, and good luck on the arrival of your new daughter tomorrow. And uh, have a, a great remainder of your day. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin, and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider for supporting this podcast.